0: The following message was given by Shelby Murphy on Sunday, May 14th at Redemption Hill Church. For more information about the church, visit us online at www.redemptionhill.org. Good morning, Redemption Hill. It is good to see you again. Uh, Let me extend my welcome uh, to those joining us for the first time as well. Uh, My name is Shelby, and I'm one of the uh, pastors here, let me also say, um, happy Mother's Day. Uh, we realize that uh, Mother's Day can, can be a mixed bag for a lot of us, a mixed bag of um, emotions. Uh, it can be a source of great joy as we celebrate with our, with our mothers and bless them and thank them and pray for them. Um, it can also be a time to weep. It's. We can also be time to weep over moms who have or will pass shortly, over um, estranged moms, over the inability to be a mom right now. We live in a time that requires us to mourn over all that is broken, and at the same time rejoice over what is good and right. So on this Mother's Day, rejoice. For everything good and right in motherhood that shines as a testimony to God's goodness, his mercy, and his redemption. At the same time, weep for yourself and for those around you who mourn, who mourn infertility, who mourn miscarriages, who mourn abortions, who mourn wayward children and other consequences of the curse. Celebrate life Today, Extol the praiseworthy deeds of the moms around you. At the same time, praise God that he will one day finally and fully right the wrongs of this world. And wipe away every tear from all of our eyes. So with that, if you have your Bibles this morning, open up to uh, the Proverbs 31 woman. Just kidding. just kidding, Uh, Proverbs 26. (laughs) I am not ready for that one yet. (laughs) Uh, Proverbs uh, chapter 26. Uh, We are continuing in our series on Proverbs, and you are stuck with me again today. Uh, Next week, Gray will be up here uh, helping us see what Proverbs says about our hearts in chapter 4. But today, we're going to be looking at Uh, chapter 26 specifically uh, verses 4 and 5. These two proverbs are meant to go together uh, and that will become clear the moment you hear them uh, as it will also uh, present a paradox to us uh, once we hear them. So uh, let's read these these verses. Proverbs 26, 4 and 5. This is God's word. Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. I hope you see our problem this morning. So uh, let's, let's pray and ask God um, uh, for help as we, as, as we look at these uh, verses. Uh, Father, thank you. Thank you once again for your word today. Thank you for another opportunity to open it, to read it, to understand it, to hear it calling us to worship you, to have it conform us more to the image of your son, Jesus. Please make your word clear to us today. We need your help. Give us understanding, and, 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 not, just, and not just in our brains. We need understanding in our hearts so that we can both live wisely and live righteously, all for your glory and the glory of your Son Jesus. Father, set us free from any anxieties or concerns or, 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 or limitations this morning that, that might keep us from hearing this proverb today as nothing less than your word. Help us feel the weight of it, to feel the weight of your word as if Christ were speaking it to us today. And we pray for these things in his name. Amen. So uh, before we jump into this text specifically, I want to offer some thoughts uh, for one particular word that we encounter, not only in our text today, uh, but in almost all of Proverbs. Uh, It's this word, fool. Um, It might it might be easy for us to think today that proverbs and this proverbial fool is an illustration to help all of us good, wise Christians interact with all the foolish people outside those doors there. That there's this us versus them uh, dichotomy going on here in these texts that puts Christians firmly in the wise column and those who don't know Jesus firmly in the fool column. And And while there's certainly a measure of that going on in this book, this book is also about how we relate and interact with one another as Christians to one another. We have all acted the fool as these Proverbs illustrate. And let me spoil it for you. There's going to be times where you continue to act the fool. I've done and said many a foolish thing. Some of it to many of you. If you're married, I can almost guarantee that you have been this fool at some time in your marriage. And again, let me spoil it for you, you will probably be so again in the future. And that's the tension that we should feel with these proverbs. They are almost like a continuous call to worship, a continuous call to confession and repentance, a, a continuous call to wisdom for everyone coming in, in here who thinks they have it all figured out. And so when we read a proverb like this today, you know, the, the only person we think about shouldn't just be that co worker who only ever wants to talk politics to us. Yes, these proverbs are meant. For them, but they're also meant for you and how you relate to that person sitting next to you in the pew. We should be growing together in godly wisdom, not only to those outside those doors, but to one another. These, these proverbs teach us how to work out the object of our faith in, in a world of unbelief. It shows us how godliness works in an ungodly society but let's hone in on this on this fool real quick because I think by doing so it actually helps us put this verse in these verses in context a little bit so let's look at some of the characteristics of the fool which Proverbs gives us and specifically this word fool that we find in verses four and five Uh, this word fool carries with it the idea of being somewhat dim-witted, somewhat empty-headed, to the point of actually being rude or insolent or behaving in an undignified or, or even disgusting way. This is someone uh, who we read in, in Proverbs chapter 1 who despises wisdom, who despises instruction, This is someone who we were reminded of uh, last week who likes to express their opinion loudly rather than listen to others. But here's how Proverbs further describes this fool. Proverbs 15, verse 2. The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouths of fools pour out folly. Fool is someone who is obviously wise in in their own eyes, but the minute they open their mouth, they make it apparent to everyone that wisdom doesn't live there. (laughs) And they're completely um, oblivious to this fact. Again, it shows a lack of self-control. Proverbs 14, 16. One who is wise is cautious and turns away from evil. But a fool is reckless and careless. Proverbs 29, 11. A fool gives full vent to his spirit, <clears throat> but a wise man quietly holds it back. What we see in this fool is an inability to think about the needs of others. There's this obsession with self that, that assumes the only things in which others are interested in are the things that they have to tell them. These are, these are people who have little to no self-control, who have, who have angry outbursts, who, who hate rebukes, who are too proud to heed warnings. These are people only interested in the satisfaction of their own emotions. And the book of Proverbs uses the word fool to describe, obviously, a wide range of foolish behavior and and speech, and I hope that we're honest enough with ourselves this morning to see where some of these descriptions of the fool describe us. So let's now turn our attention back to our text this morning, as it's one that is applicable not only for us, but for those outside those doors and for those sitting next to us in the pews. So it's with all these fools in mind that we now get to Proverbs uh, 26, verses 4 and 5. Let me read it for us again. Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. Yes, we have what appears to be a direct contradiction in, in the Bible. I mean, you can't help after reading these verses to ask, well, which one is it? Should I say something or should I keep my mouth closed? And we all face situations like this all the time. People, people say dumb stuff. People say things that are foolish, disrespectful, gossipy, or unkind or untrue. What are we supposed to do? I mean, do you engage with them and seek to address them and set them straight? Or do you purposely not engage and just step away? Well, clearly there is something intentional going on here that that God wants us to get. There's some wisdom here in these twin proverbs that God wants us to know and understand. Again, Let's think back to what Solomon told us right off the bat about Proverbs in chapter 1. Let the wise hear an increase in learning. And the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying. The words of the wise and their riddles. There's a point God is trying to help us get here. So the question before us today is simply, what is it? Well, similar to last week, what God is going after in us is heart change deep inside us. He's trying to grow us in righteousness, in godliness, to continue to form us into the image of his son. And because of the paradoxical nature of these proverbs, it's a reminder that righteousness in our living is, is not is not some easy formula. It's going to require wisdom to know how to live and how to act and how to speak in different circumstances. And in the, in, in the particular case of these two Proverbs, whether or not to or even how to respond when you're interacting with someone who's being foolish in their actions or their speech. So this morning, I, I simply want to offer... Four lessons from these proverbs, uh, lessons that not only help us to understand the, the um, riddle, the riddle before us, but hopefully how we can apply it to our 21st century lives. So uh, let's jump right in. Uh, lesson one: We need self-control to refrain from answering the fool. I mean, it it's, says it right here in the, verse, in the first part of verse 4. Answer not a fool according to his folly. And the phrase here, um, uh, according to, here in verse 4, means, means something like this. It means in the same way or similarly. In other words, don't do the same thing the fool is doing. Don't participate in foolishness. But why would we not want to answer the fool? Well, the second half of that verse answers the question, lest you be like him yourself. Because I would be in danger of becoming just like the fool. My response would simply be a reflection of the foolishness. To do so, just puts me in the same category as the fool. Someone who's just trying to get a rise out of me. Someone doing or saying something that goes against all of my Christianly instincts and doing so very loudly and forcibly. Our natural instinct is to what? Answer them back with equal amounts of volume and emotion. And you don't have to look very far in our culture, or culture today to see this playing out. And, and, we'll, and we'll even pat each other on the back after someone does this. Oh, you're so brave. You know, thank you for speaking the truth. It was, it was good to see you so passionate about it. Listen, if a person is unwilling to listen, if there's just a basic posture of combativeness if they're only interested in expressing their own opinions or continuing on in their foolishness, well, you make yourself foolish by engaging them? So sometimes we should just politely disengage from someone who is saying or doing some foolish things. Our text tells us that we are in danger of sounding equally as foolish as the person we are responding to. Our response is actually according to their agenda. According to their foolishness rather than the agenda of God's word. And in doing so, we risk completely destroying any foundation that allows us to respond to them in a godly fashion, to share any sort of gospel truth with them. In a lot of our blustery, puffed up Christian rhetoric, I believe that we are sometimes guilty of confusing faithfulness to the truth of God's word with folly in the way that we defend any sort of gospel truth. So verse four actually tells us that we need wisdom to know when to not answer the fool. Whenever we encounter differences of opinion or whatever the latest cultural controversy is. We need wisdom to know when to shut up in a Christ-like way. And Proverbs actually helps us when it comes to know, you know how we respond to, to fools. Sometimes, sometimes we should speak gently or, or say very little. Proverbs 10.19 says, When words are many, transgression is not lacking. But whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Proverbs 15.1, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And yes, there are times where we should say nothing at all. Proverbs 12.23, a prudent man conceals knowledge, but the heart of fools proclaims folly. And even this, this verse we looked at last week, Proverbs 17.27 Whoever restrains his words has knowledge. There is a time to say nothing. There is a time to speak and a time to remain silent. There is a time to say nothing in the presence of fools when by our silence, we will speak most eloquently in a Christ-like way. Even as Jesus himself did in um, Mark 15, as we looked at last week. And yes, people might have something to say about you not saying anything. But hear me. God sees. God hears. And ultimately, that's all that should matter. God delights in seeing his people act wisely. And again, this takes a measure of self-control that some of us just may not be um, accustomed to. God is after change in our hearts and the words that we speak or don't speak mirror the inner disciplines of our heart. To be able to hold our tongues for perhaps a better time or a better opportunity. So we need self-control to refrain from answering fools. But the second lesson we can take from this proverb is having the wisdom to know when and how to answer the fool. Verse 5, answer a fool according to his folly. The phrase according to here in verse 5 means something like in keeping with or appropriate to. In other words, answering him in a way that his folly actually calls for. Clearly, firmly, directly. And here we are clearly taking into account not just the substance of what's being said or done, but the consequences as well. Sometimes we need to directly address what is said or done. Maybe you see that it's not um, a belligerence but mainly immaturity. Maybe it's just carelessness. And if the consequence, consequences of these words or actions will have any eternal effect or potentially lead other people astray, then now is the time to answer the fool according to his folly. But even here, this, this, this is going to um, require wisdom. Should your words be private or public? should your words be right now or should you wait a bit and perhaps the best illustration of this is in Paul's second letter to the Corinthians uh, towards the end of chapter 11 where where Paul has been under so much pressure and attack from these super apostles um, who have belittled his ministry and he has to find a way of responding to them what is he going to do How is he going to respond to these fools? You know, he he goes on to speak about his suffering and the things that he has encountered in his ministry. And he sums it up with this in chapter 12. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. But when I am weak, then I am strong. I have been a fool. You forced me to it. For I ought to have been commended by you. For I was not at all inferior to these super apostles, even though I am nothing. He recognized that it wasn't simply a matter of personal attack upon his own integrity, but that the gospel and the unity of the church in Corinth was at stake. And I wouldn't be surprised to find out one day that Proverbs 26, 4 and 5 was actually running through his noodle whenever he wrote this. He was answering the fools according to their folly, lest they be wise in the eyes of the people of the church at Corinth. Even thinking about Jesus rebuking Peter whenever he foretells his death and um, a resurrection. Uh, Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter 16. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside after that and began to rebuke him saying, far be it from you, Lord. This shall never happen to you. But he, Jesus, turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me for you are not setting your mind on the things of God but on the things of man. Jesus immediately looks into the heart of Peter And, you know, recognizes the presence of Satan leading him into believing a lie. And what's astonishing here in this passage is that the lie comes on the heels of Jesus explaining to his disciples why he must suffer and die on the cross. So, Peter's very salvation was actually at stake here. So, Jesus responded to him. Even thinking about Paul um, uh, opposing Peter in um, uh, Galatians 2. This is starting in uh, verse 11. But when Cephas, Peter, came to uh, Antioch, I, Paul, opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. Their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel. Peter's inconsistency with the gospel was leading others astray. So Paul found it necessary to answer the foolish Peter according to his folly. Last one, even at the top of um, of Philippians 4, Paul mentions two ladies by name, two names that I'm not even going to try and pronounce, and uh, encourages them to agree in the Lord. The nature of their disagreement here is actually never mentioned, but what's inferred is that that's all that they were interested in, (laughs) the cause of their disagreement, But Paul was admonishing them to move past their their public squabble as they were in danger of causing disunity in this new um, Philippian church. So Paul wanted to bring the wisdom of Christ to bear in this situation where they counted each other more significant than themselves. We answer a fool when the unity of the people of God and the truth of the gospel of god are at stake lesson number 3 we need wisdom to know what to say to a fool and this is something that we can't just get from reading a book this this isn't mere knowledge This is actually the Word of God written on our hearts where we begin to move and think and function along the tracks of Scripture where our speech is seasoned with the salt of God's Word. Speech that doesn't produce destruction in our relationships but preserves them and preserves the truth that we are speaking and relying on. Speech that Edifies and builds others up. Ephesians four twenty nine. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. In other words, we need wisdom to even know how to wield God's word to destroy what is false but in a way that is good for building others up. And yes, this requires that we know what is in this book, that we read it, that we understand it, but maybe most importantly, that we hear it, that we listen to it. How good of a listener are you? Wisdom enables us to to embody the truth of the gospel in the very way in which we speak the gospel. This means that the man or woman who is best suited to speak the wisdom of God is often the man or woman who is the best listener. One of my favorite Proverbs, Proverbs 25, starting in verse 11 says this, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. Like a gold ring or an ornament of gold is a wise reprover to a listening ear. The wise man or woman is a listener. The foolish man or woman is a talker. And I confess that that This is an ongoing struggle for me. It is difficult to listen to what these pages are actually telling me because I keep talking to it and telling it what it should mean. I keep telling this book what it should be saying. Why do we find it so difficult just to listen to it? Is it, is it our modern 21st century sensibilities? I mean, we, we can barely sit still for a few minutes. Why is it no surprise that we struggle to read and listen to God's Word? And because we struggle to read and listen to God's Word in Scripture, it shouldn't be a surprise that we struggle and listen to others. How are you making time to listen to God speak to you through his word? To listen to God imparting wisdom to you. And as we've read, it's not just for you. It's for others. To build them up, to encourage them. And occasionally rebuke them for acting foolish. Which leads me to the last lesson here. Lesson four. We need to know where true wisdom is found. As I said last week, true wisdom is is found in Jesus. Very interesting passages in um, uh, Isaiah uh, say this, starting in uh, Isaiah um, 11, verses 2. It tells us this. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, talking about the coming Jesus. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and And might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Jesus was full of the Spirit. Are we full of the Spirit? He delighted in God's presence, he delighted in God's character. Do we delight in those things? Jesus was the word of God, and yet he was constantly listening. Listen to, these, to more words from um, Isaiah 50. Starting verse 4, this is actually God speaking through Isaiah and anticipating the, the world-changing reality of the glory of God about to be displayed in the person of Jesus. It says this, the Lord God has given me The Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are taught. That I may know how to sustain with a word him who is weary. How did he get this tongue? How did he get this wisdom that sustains the weary? Morning by morning he awakens. He awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. The Lord God has opened my ear and I was not rebellious. I turned not backwards. I gave my back to those who strike and my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting, but the Lord God helps me. Therefore, I have not been disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint and I know that I shall not be put to shame. Mourning by mourning God opens our ears to hear him speaking in his word. Are we attentive? Are we listening? Or are we distracted? This this is the only way I know to get the wisdom that we need to live this wise life that Proverbs is calling us to. By listening to the voice of God in His word, by meditating on it, by chewing on it, by living by it, by speaking it, by letting it guide us in every situation. It is possible for the words we speak to have an eternal good, just like it's possible for our words to do eternal damage. Are we listening to God's word every day? Are we asking for his wisdom every day in all of our interaction with other people? Let me just end here and and try and sum all of this up. In every interaction we have with another person, we have two responsibilities. We have a responsibility to guard our own steps And we have a responsibility to help others guard their steps. And yes, we have to keep Proverbs 18.2 in mind from last week. We need to seek understanding first. But our our speech should be extending a lifeline to weary souls trapped in sin. To pull them out of our foolishness. However, verse 4 is still there. As a warning to us, it makes me think about what Paul said in um, Galatians six one. He says, "As brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Rescue them." But Paul goes on to, to Paul goes on to um, warn us: keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. You see, in in every interaction we have with another person, we must pay attention to both our own spiritual walk, our own spiritual well-being, and to the spiritual well-being of the other person. God is very interested in our godliness, God is very interested in the godliness of his people. So in every interaction, we want to have our eyes and ears on our own walk and speech as well as one another's. Not as judges, but as brothers and sisters who care about this pattern in one another's lives. This is precious and important to God. We read way back in chapter one, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So our prayer every day should be, God, I want to be in right relationship with you. And out of that, I I, want to be wise today. God, I want to be like Jesus today, not just in his embodiment of, of this particular ability, but in his character so that I might walk well today and maybe just maybe there will be a chance to help to help someone else walk well today too all for his glory all for the glory of Jesus let me pray for us father thank you again for your word to us today and god even even as we prayed at the beginning i pray that we don't just put this on the shelf of okay that makes sense but that we would in fact hear your voice calling us into a righteousness that is pleasing to you calling us into a righteousness that is now possible because of our life in christ who gives us everything we need for life and for godliness Father, I pray that we would actually care about this, not not just to be good citizens, but be Christians and and be pleasing to you and and to find our lives bearing fruit that is encouraging to those around us. I ask that your spirit today will will work in our hearts, conforming us to the image of of Jesus and increasingly giving us wisdom, a wisdom that not only brings us peace, but peace to other people as well. And so, God, I pray that you would put in us humility, put in us us graciousness, put in us wisdom and faith. Make us like Jesus so that we might live for the good of those around us and for our own good and for the glory of Jesus. We look to you today. We trust you today to teach us how to live in this crazy world because we can't do it on our own. Show us how to live and be wise for Jesus. And we ask this in his name today. Amen. You've been listening to a message by Shelby Murphy given at Redemption Hill Church in Richmond, Virginia. For more information on the church and to hear other messages, please visit us online at www.redemptionhill.org.